I'm Dr. Kimberly Manning. And this is Dr. Ashley McMullen. And you're listening to the Human Doctor Podcast, where we explore the human side of medicine, along with teaching, living, learning, and all things in between. Using the power of storytelling, conversation, and connectedness. Hey, we're two dope academic internal medicine doctors, but we ain't your doctors. So if you perceive anything we say here as medical advice, no, it ain't that. Also, the things we say, they only reflect our brilliant black woman magic mind and not our employers. You could have been anywhere, y'all, but you chose to be here with us and we appreciate you. Let's Let's go. go. What's up, sis? I've missed you. I have missed you so much. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It is good to see you this morning. It's good to be seen, my friend, and Mm -hmm. not viewed. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So, um... Can I just like jump right into the most important thing that I need to address? Yes, ma'am. Which is Mahalia. Mm-hmm. Who, um, I'm going to try to um, interpret what I'm seeing here. So she's pulled up onto the top of your head. She has grown since I've seen her. She has. Um, it looks like she probably has the remnants of what was probably a really fabulous twist out. Mm-hmm. And she's kind of relaxed some. So since she's kind of relaxed some, it's like bringing out some of her length. We got some coils going. Mm -hmm. Looking really good. Mm. We appreciate you, sis. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. All right, my assessment. Yes. Because, yeah, I'm not even going to front. That was a really dope twist out that I had last week. And uh, it's time to throw it back up in the the high puff so that I can start working out again. (laughs) Okay. 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 So... On a scale of one to five, five being amazing, mm-hmm. one being meh, what are you today? Ooh, I'm going to go with a four. A four? Yeah. I'm not quite a five. I've been um, a little dehydrated lately, and I woke up with that dehydration headache. Mm-hmm. So I'm catching up on my water deficit. Okay. Um, but... Other than that, I'm feeling really good. I mean, it's hard to not feel good when you've been away from Dr. Manning for a while and you get to reconnect. So oh, that's nice. What about you, sis? Um, I am a 4.5. Okay. Um, I am almost at the end of a two-week run on the hospital service at Grady. I love it but it has been kind of cognitively and particularly emotionally exhausting this round. Mm-hmm. We have been doing, um, we sort of have a now a new system where we've aggregated our patients by teams and services to certain floors, but um, historically certain floors manage certain problems more. Mm-hmm. Um, and, the pro- and the floor that I'm working on um, is sort of a, hematology centered floor and I'm caring for um, a lot of our young, beautiful sickle cell warriors. Wow. And I have to say there's just something that is uh, both beautiful and painful for me when I'm caring for for patients living with sickle cell because, you know, the nearly all of them look like me. Mm-hmm. And it's just a very hard thing um, to manage. But the beautiful part of it is that I, I get to come in and look at my patients lovingly. Mm. And I think a lot of patients living with sickle cell, especially as they grow older and they work through the system and they go through whatever they go through, don't always get looked at lovingly. Yeah. And, and I, this is literally what I coach myself to do. I don't care 
how challenging the encounter is, I'm like, I am going to look at you lovingly because you probably find yourself in situations in the hospital setting, at least where you aren't, where people are like suspicious or coming up with all, you know, you know how it is. Of course. Yeah. So no, that's real. I'm glad that those patients have you. Yeah. I'm glad we have each other. I've learned a lot um, from, from my patients this round. And I also have my senior in high school who is hitting send on his um, early applications today. Um, The only reason he didn't last night because is because his mother keeps wanting to reread essays. (laughs) Well, well, shout out to that high school senior. I'm really excited to see where he lands. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. No, I probably shouldn't even say this on a, um, on a podcast, but I am. (laughs) (laughs) So on Thursday, I am taking my son um, to visit Tuskegee University. Mm-hmm. Um, is, is it going to be homecoming by chance? or It is homecoming week, but he's oh. not coming going for the whole weekend. We're only going up for the day and coming back because Tuskegee is very close to Atlanta. Mm-hmm. But he doesn't know this, but it's called, we're calling it Operation Fifth Gen. I have contacted all of these students that are on campus. They are like, you know, it's like the Hunger Games. They're like posted all over the campus, mm. ready to meet my son. <laughs> because my father took me to tour Tuskegee the Thursday of homecoming week as a senior. I was going to Spelman mm. and um, Operation Fourth Gen worked for me. So, okay. But right now, my son does not wish to go to Tuskegee, but we'll see. I am so interested <laughs> to see how this goes. Yeah. <laughs> I wanted to make a couple quick updates. This is going to be hard because I know there's so much we want to say to each other. Yes. Yes. Um, but I finally purchased my first car. What? For seven years living in the Bay Area, going on public transportation. I, I bought an electric vehicle, which I am quite proud of. Of course you bought an electric vehicle. <laughs> So, you know, quick plug for folks who, you know, maybe haven't been uh, as quite invested in some of the, the latest news around climate change. If it, you haven't been impacted directly, you will at some point. And I know that you know not everybody's going to get an EV, but, you know, it's good to at least think about some ways on an individual basis. We can mitigate some of the things that impact our climate on a regular basis. So that's plug number one. Okay, plug one. Uh, And then number two, you know, this might be our last opportunity to shout out to folks who get out there and vote. Mm, Please, please vote. (laughs) Yeah, figure out what you got to do. You can still early vote um, here. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, please vote. For sure. Yeah. So that's all I got to say. Hey, we love to hear it. We love to see it. But um, most of all, it's important just to be good stewards of our influence. And, you know, hopefully there's somebody who's listening um, that if one person makes a plan to figure out how they're going to go and vote because they heard this, then we are winning. Yes. You know, I know we've been away, but you have a treat in store for you. The treat that you have in store for you is that, like me, you get to sit back, relax, and listen to a story from none other than the EV driving, <laughs> climate conscious, <laughs> Ashley McMullen. Oh, yes. <laughs> That's, the crowd. That's the crowd going wild. I got you. Yeah, I picked up got on you. that. Thank oh. you. 
Okay, it only makes me wish I was on the other side <laughs> listening to you tell the story, but alas, here we are. But what's the what? The what is humility. Ooh. Yeah, during my one of my third year clerkships as a medical student, it's actually my my OB-GYN rotation. Mm-hmm. Real quick, sis, I'm, I'm curious, what was that experience like for you as a medical student? Do you remember? My OB-GYN rotation? Mm-hmm. I think of OB-GYN as like cilantro. Either <laughs> you absolutely love it and want it in everything, or you want nothing to do with it. Mm-hmm. I was the latter group. Yep, yep. Yeah, I didn't yeah. want nothing to do with it. I mean, I'm like, you don't got to let me sew up. You ain't got to let me catch the baby. I will go over there and write a note, but please, no. Yeah. No, I, um, I'm definitely in the latter group as well. I was actually <laughs> cooking with cilantro last night and it made me think of you. I like, love cilantro, <laughs> but I did not love my OB-GYN rotation. And, you know, I'll preface this by saying, like, you know, I didn't go into it with the best attitude, but it wasn't the best experience. And, you know, just as a disclaimer, I did not go to medical school, the same institution where I work. If you guys are so inclined to try to look stuff up, (laughs) figure it out. But I was assigned to do my rotation at our county hospital. And, you know, it didn't quite strike me as the type of environment that I, you know, ascribe to like SF General, where it's like a kind of mission driven people are there for the most part, because they want to be there, that they care about, Mm -hmm. you know, serving that particular community. And then feel like the vibe (laughs) at this location, it kind of felt like, you know, this is the place where people worked and it wasn't so much a draw to the patients or the community. And, um, you know, the, the residency program there was one that was, you know, um, separate from the one at the, the university hospital, which has since changed. And I think for good reason, mm-hmm. um, they've restructured this, but at the time that I was there, you know, the, the, the residents were a little, little rough to work with. Uh, that's, that's, that's putting it in the ways that I can, you know, put out there publicly, but just as an example, you know, the resident room where we met every morning to like talk about the cases on the board for the morning, there was a couch close to the board where medical students like weren't allowed to sit. Like if you got caught sitting there, someone was going to snatch you. So you had to sit in the very back of the room. Like, yeah, that, that That was was a place you couldn't sit. Exactly. That's crazy. Yeah, this is talking about resident room apartheid here. Like we were, <laughs> we relegated to the back. Oh God, that's terrible. And so, yeah, I I was like, not not feeling it from from the jump. But you know, you're you're a medical student. You're there to learn. And you know, I did really want to have the experience of delivering a baby. That's a formative experience as a as a medical student. But you know, it was kind of like the Hunger Games. It's just like you see. <laughs> who's on the board for that day. And, you know, as a medical student, they really wanted you to only deliver cases where a, a woman who's been pregnant before okay. who's on her second, third or, or plus, you know, child. Those um, deliveries, for whatever reason, the vaginal deliveries tend to be a little bit easier. And so, yeah, you basically see who's delivering that day, try to get in, introduce yourself to the patient, to the L&D nurses and, and try to be in the mix so you can be there when the baby's coming out. And so the way that it worked was like those L&D nurses were the bosses of the ward. Like they did most of the work kind of laboring with the patient. And then once the patient was ready to deliver, a bell would ring. <laughs> and that's when, you know, the the residents and the doctors would come in running and do the delivery. So as a medical student, you had to kind of be hovering around <laughs> waiting for when that chime was going to go off. I know this sounds terrible. I'm looking at your and face. You could, and you couldn't sit. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So I have this very vivid memory 
you know, it's getting towards the end of the rotation. I'm feeling a little antsy because I haven't had a chance to deliver yet. I see a, a woman who had come in overnight who I believe was on her, you know, this was going to be her, her fourth delivery. And, you know, she was getting very close. And so I introduced myself, talked to the nurse and kind of hovering around the room. And very quickly, it became clear, like, okay, this baby's coming right now. And so I go to grab my gown and, and gloves and try to get suited up to deliver the baby. I'm really excited, all this anticipation, put on <laughs> the gown and gloves. I turn around and the baby is literally coming out. <laughs> oh my God. And, and wait, um, who else is there besides you? So the, the at first it's just the L&D nurse, but as soon as I like finish gowning and gloving, I turn around, the baby's coming out. The resident rushes in the room, goes in and delivers the baby oh, Wow! <laughs> as I'm standing there. And then on top of that, you know, there's obviously a lot of abdominal pressure that goes on with delivering a child. <laughs> the, the patient had defecated onto oh the floor. God. I'm looking despondent, didn't get to deliver the baby. So I'm starting to kind of de-gown and de-glove. And the L&D nurse looks at me and is like, whoa, whoa, whoa what, are you, what are you doing? And I was like, I'm, I'm taking, the, taking the gown off. And she's like, well, you got to clean up the floor. You're the only, <gasps> you're the only one in, in a gown and glove. So you got to clean this up. <gasps> Mm-mm. So Mm-mm. <laughs> not only did I not deliver the baby, I am actively cleaning up this woman's excrements on the ground. So yeah, I always say that was that was a low point. Um <laughs> to, to <laughs> but it was also quite the the humbling experience. And yeah, I walked away from that feeling pretty upset at first, but I shook it off. And the next day I actually came in and delivered my first baby. You know, I, I want to say that like the sparks flew and there was awe and all this, you know, excitement about delivering new life. But I was so focused on like the doing of the job and everything that had happened like throughout that month that it was kind of lost on me, kind of the the beauty of that moment. I don't know. I, I wish that I had spent a little bit more time getting to know that patient, getting to know her story. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, one of the things I remember that there, there were no family in that, in that room when that baby was delivered and it didn't like strike me until afterwards. Hmm. Again, I'm humbled by the, the experience of, you know, bringing new life into the world. And even as a, a medical student, you know, sometimes you gotta, you gotta clean up the grime, but at the same time, I wish that that experience had been a little bit more reverent for me. You know, the thing is that this is something that a lot of people can relate to. And it's and this is an opportunity for us to look at how how teams and how things are structured and how the system can basically strip the humanism out of what really has the potential to be a, a magical, formative and pivotal experience. Seeing somebody deliver a baby is amazing. And especially especially when you're on the rotation and you have learned of just how much could go wrong. Yes. Like everything can go wrong. And the fact that the majority of the folks who come into the hospital push babies out and don't really have that much of an issue and that this is happening all over the world. It's kind of like a 
miraculous thing to see. But it kind of stinks because that the same exact um, experience that you describe is kind of like what I had. Like, I want to make sure I catch a baby so that I can mark this little sheet Mm -hmm. that says how many babies I delivered. But because I did not want to do OB, I needed just enough so I could get a good grade on OB. (laughs) You know, I didn't want a whole bunch of babies coming on my (laughs) I just needed a couple and I wanted the experience, you know, it was I hope, you know, for any of the medical students who might be listening to this, that, you know, you're able to to take some time to to pause and to, you know, move past the the metrics of what you're being evaluated on and actually appreciate, you know, the the uniqueness of being able to be a part of that moment. I wish I had done that. But also for the residents, you know, medical students have such little time to make a decision on what they're going to do for the rest of their lives. Right. And I think that being mindful of that and how you how you talk to to students, you know, these are really important formative moments. You know, I, I think th- this isn't just unique to OB. This is period, right? Um, yeah. You know, I I think about the times when somebody needed an LP or something like that when I was doing peds and um, and. You know, th- this happens on ex- on different extremes of your training too, Ash. You know, I remember being a senior resident asleep in the call room and somebody like a second year resident calling the call room and saying, we're trying to get this LP or lumbar puncture and uh, we can't get it. And we're trying to get this IV placed in this baby and we can't get it. And I remember how I would just get out of bed, stick my clogs on, march down the hall, walk in the room, not even make eye contact with nobody, put my gloves on, grab everything, do the LP. This is like, I ain't even hardly looked at the baby. I haven't asked no questions. I just walked in, did it. Then took the um tourniquet, put it on the baby's arm or leg or wherever, put the IV in and didn't even stay to tape it down and went marching out because that was just like a thing. To, yeah. to do the thing. And the reason why it was the other extreme, Ash, is because I had gotten so good at procedures that I took great pride in being a machine who could just come in and do it. Yeah. Um, so as a really junior person, you you want to try to have a little bit of an experience to get to do it once. But then at, there's a point where you've done it so many times that you take pride in your ability to just be rote, which is terrible. Yeah. I didn't realize how terrible until I became a parent. Mm. <laughs> Lord have mercy. <laughs> doing this to people's children. Lord. Yeah. It makes me reflect on the times where, you know, I, I, I came in and, and played the role of the, you know, the super, the competent senior without really taking into account, you know, anybody else in the room and their experience that was being impacted by my behavior. So lots of learning on both ends, sis. What would you tell younger you now? Don't. Don't miss out on the beauty and the uniqueness of the experience. Talk to folks, like get their stories, be with the patient, be in the moment. Stop worrying so much about doing good and just be good. That's what I'd say. Mm. Yeah. Well, sister, I don't remember the full quote, um, but at the very end of the book, The Bluest Eye, mm. Toni Morrison has this lovely like string of words where she talks about how um, 
really, really about the importance of being who you really are aspiring to be and not just seeming that way. It was something like we were not strong, only aggressive. We were not free, merely licensed. We were not compassionate, only polite. We we're not good, but well-behaved. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So um, I think this is just an opportunity for us to think about ways um, to move beyond you know, seeming certain ways, but being certain ways. So that little sis back in the day that was cleaning up the poop off the floor. (laughs) Keep your head up, sis. If you, if you had had an opportunity to get to know the patient, you probably would have thought to clean it up anyway, because it would have been patient centered and you wouldn't have wanted her to feel humiliation. Of course, man. You know, a little poop never hurt anybody. But I hope that at, the, at your old medical school, they're letting people sit by the uh, <laughs> by the board or whatever. I'm, I'm going to check in and just see. It. <laughs> well, sis, um, these uh, future Emory residents um, are waiting for me to interview them. So um, I just can't wait to dig into this season with you. And yes. um, I'm so happy I got to spend time with you. I love you. Likewise. Love you too, sis. All right. That wraps up this week's episode of the Human Doctor Podcast. Special thanks to our favorite brother gastroenterologist, Dr. Chuma Obiname for the beats. Shout out to the Dr. Ashley McMullen for editing and production. Mad love to our podcast family at The Nocturnist and the Clinical Problem Solvers, our med Twitter fam. And especially shout out to all of you, our listeners. Until next week, remember, we see you and you are enough. Holla! Holla.